When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The linemen have arrived in Florida, and they are literally breaking TikTok. Hi, I'm Rachel Hampton. And I'm Daisy Rosario, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it. Slate's podcast about internet culture. And Daisy's back. It's been so long. It's what? been what? two whole weeks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. And as you've pointed out, I'm actually here all the time. You are. You are. It's only to our listeners that you're ever gone. But I must ask, what have you been doing in your time off the mic? Have you been making any good recipes? A butterboard, perhaps? Yeah, butterboards. That's right. <laughs> the new viral recipe. Yes, it has taken over TikTok. If there's one thing that the clock app will do, it's make something go viral that perhaps just shouldn't exist in general, let alone go viral, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like West Elm Caleb yeah. maybe shouldn't exist. Pink sauce, definitely shouldn't. Definitely not. Definitely not. Charlie D'Amelio? No. That's, that's up to y'all to decide. Charlie XCX <laughs> should be the dominant Charlie right That now. is so true. Thank you. So true, queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And here we are to talk about something else that maybe shouldn't exist. I can't believe it, but it's Butterboards. <laughs> <laughs> that one was for our producer, Daniel Schrader. <laughs> so if you are wise, you might be asking, what exactly is a Butterboard? If you are terminally online, you might be saying, oh God, not this. And you are right. The easy answer to the question is, it's it's butter on a board it's like really ultimately that simple but it's also slightly more complicated (laughs) of course it has to be so way back in september a recipe developer and food influencer who goes by the handle justine underscore snacks made a tiktok and from there it was history have you heard of a butterboard this is what one looks like, and I I want to make them the next charcuterie board. Not to usurp charcuterie, but like maybe a little bit, but mostly because I just love the concept. It's by Josh McFadden, and it's all So about what's happening during this like really kind of calming voiceover is Justine taking some softened butter and spreading it across a wooden cutting board in some little swoops reminiscent of an ocean a small ocean of butter and then she's uh spreading flaky salt over it some what looks like onions she tops it off with some edible flowers and then she takes a piece of crusty looks like whole wheat bread healthy and then scoops up the butter with it and eats it and i have questions but my first one is daisy would you eat this I love butter. I will say, in a purely, like, realistic way, I'm gluten-free, so, like, the chances <laughs> of me being able to to share bread and butter with people are 
It's like that a really small mm-hmm. percentage chance of that happening. We have to be at one of many specific controlled locations for that mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah, um, fair. But I mean, <laughs> I'll eat butter. It just feels like, why are you adding all this work to butter? Like, yes. you know, it just feels like one of those things where it's like, are you trying to invent something for the sake of it? I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, importantly, Justine didn't invent butterboards, but I think it's safe to say that she introduced the concept to TikTok. True. The hashtag butterboard now has almost 250 million views with people making Desi versions, Middle Eastern versions with labna instead of butter. There's even whipped cream cheese boards. I would say that I entertain a fair, a fair amount. But I have to say that while this recipe is largely inoffensive, and if it was in front of me, I would probably partake because I am of the try it once clan. But I do have some questions about the logistics. (laughs) Yes. Like, all of these are people spreading butter onto wooden cutting boards. And I am real. Is that safe? It's stressing me out. Same. Also, why don't you just put this in a bowl? Speaking of, why is no one whipping the butter? Why Mm -hmm. are we, we could, that would be a much better texture for scooping, which is how most of these people are eating it. You could just whip some butter and put it in a bowl and put all these fucking toppings in it. And that would be easier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. I think that's part of it for me is that it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pro flavoring butter. Like add some flavor to your butter. Some of my favorite restaurants do that. I cook with a lot of butter, a lot of salt. Like I really like my food to have flavor. It's important to me. But this does not seem to make sense to me in just the way that you are setting it up. And I love a good dip. I love to host an event. I love all of these things. But yes, all I can think about is like, that seems really hard to clean and also not essential And there's more interesting ways, for me at least, of, you know, creating an interesting mix of things that people can snack on. Yeah, I'm just imagining someone having a butterboard at like, you know, an autumnal dinner party. There are candles. Candles give off what heat, what happens to (laughs) butter when heat is involved. It melts. What are the logistics of the butterboard? (laughs) Also, I'm not going to I'm not going to say this is necessarily true but we are in the midst of a butter shortage and i can't oh. help but think <laughs> that the butter boards oh god have been contributing <laughs> to the national butter shortage <laughs> unfortunately that is all the time we have for butter today not in life though no me and daisy are probably gonna have butter sometime after this recording <laughs> I, we've talked about it so much now that i will absolutely have to eat quite a bit of butter this evening. Mm-hmm. But before our respective butter times, we have a show to make. <laughs> and in today's show, we will be talking about the recent drama shaking up the online theater community. And also we will be explaining, finally, what exactly a bucket bunny is. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. And we're back on Broadway in 1776. I don't know how we both got here to Black Women <laughs> in 1776, but God bless us. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Somehow we've become somewhat of a Broadway podcast in Madison's absence, which I'm so sorry, Madison. I know you used to listen to the show. I'm sorry. It took your departure for this to happen, but Such alas. Such irony. The show must go on. (laughs) (laughs) So, Daisy, as the new Broadway expert in the chat, I'm going to go ahead and let you take this one over and tell me what exactly is happening with the revival of the musical 1776 and answer the question of does this have anything to do with Hamilton? (laughs) Well, that's a great question. First of all, unfortunately, it does not have anything to do with Hamilton. So Mm -hmm. allow me to set the stage, if you will. I will. It's 1969. The Vietnam War is raging. Hair is the biggest musical on Broadway. Enter 1776. I'm there. In a story that now seems very familiar, 1776, a musical about singing founding fathers, opens on Broadway and becomes a Tony Award winner. It follows the events leading up to the signing of the Declaration of Independence and features Thomas Jefferson, Ben Franklin, John Adams, and all those names most of us learned in school and a few that we didn't. And you're saying this isn't about Hamilton. Correct. This is not about Hamilton. (laughs) I don't believe you. (laughs) I don't know if I believe myself yet, but let's keep going. (laughs) One of those lesser known names is the youngest signatory of the Declaration of Independence, Edward Rutledge of South Carolina. He has a song in the musical where he basically opposes any attempts to end the slave trade. It's actually a pretty good song. Terrible guy. Rachel, uh, for the audience, please make sure that you remember his name for the next part. (laughs) Thank you. I'm writing it down in my little notebook that I keep with me during recordings. Wonderful. So last year, it's announced that there will be a revival of 1776 set to premiere in 2022. In April of this year, it's announced that the entire cast will be made up of performers that identify as female, trans, and or non-binary. And I know you're going to ask again. (laughs) No, this is not Hamilton. As long as you're sure about that. (laughs) I keep checking and it's still not. So I'm going to I'm going to keep going with it. I just feel like Lin-Manuel is going to sneak his way in. But you know what? Hasn't happened yet. So when does 1776 open? 
So this particular revival opened on Broadway in September to, let's say, middling reviews. The New York Times wrote, quote, that the production is instead so overpumped and overplayed as to be hardly comprehensible is a result of a fundamental misunderstanding of the musical, end quote, which, yikes. Oh my God. Not a fundamental misunderstanding of the musical. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. I mean. (laughs) I mean. But that's not the real drama. What? It's not. I know. That is the thing, is that's not the real drama. I wanted to give you a dramatic read of just the facts before we get into the real drama. The real drama begins with an interview in Vulture with one of the stars of the musical, Sarah Porkalob, who plays Edward Rutledge. Oh, I remember him. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> and the interview is spicy. Ooh. The headline is 1776's Sarah Porkalob has some notes. And boy, does she. Oh. Rachel, would you mind um, joining me in this? I've been really enjoying the drama of it all. So mm-hmm. um, if you could, you know, maybe read the questions and I'll read Sarah Ooh. Porkalob's responses. I can do that. Perfect. The first one, I actually don't have the question, but but then you'll know when to come in. So Okay, okay, okay. 1776 says this desire to humanize the founding fathers and feels like a callback to nostalgic Americana. It's like, look at these good old boys. They were just guys doing this stuff. To me, the play is a relic. It's a dusty old thing. Are you artistically fulfilled being in 1776? No, I'm not. The salary is good. My favorite thing in the whole process is my cast. So the social aspect and the salary aspect are fulfilling. The creative aspect... Not so much. I feel like I'm going to work. How do you see queerness interacting with the show? I'll be honest and say that our directors never thought about that. When we were all in the room together, there wasn't any conversation about how we marry our queer identities with these characters, which is disappointing. It was clear that they were prioritizing the social identifier of race as a driving creative force more than anything else. Gender identity, sexual identity, those we weren't talking about. What percentage are you giving 1776? I'm giving 75%. When I do molasses to rum, I'm giving 90%. Insane. Importantly, <laughs> that's not the whole interview. It's actually no. a very long interview. We picked some choice quotes. The whole thing is worth reading. It's Sarah going absolutely ham and being so candid about their job It's just a level of honesty that I feel like artists rarely give, especially in the middle, if not the beginning of the run of the show that they're in. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, art is still a job, right? Like, it's incredible, obviously, if you're getting to make the thing that you want to make. But I think the reality is, you know, like, it's very expensive and it's very Mm. difficult to try to live some of these lives. And so... The fact of the matter is, if you want to make a living and you want to work your way up and become a known performer, you're going to have to do some stuff that you may not love. And, you know, it definitely feels like they uh, they wanted to hire this cast for, like, what their backgrounds are. Yeah. And then maybe it's not the most actually satisfying situation for these actors. Yeah, I think there's this idea that if you're an artist, you never have to compromise and... We live in a capitalistic society, and that's not true. And artists have a right to feel a way about the compromises that they have to make to put food on the table. 
But that's a nuanced reaction we're having. How did the internet react? (laughs) Well, (laughs) as you can probably imagine, this interview was incredibly polarizing. There were a lot of people praising Sarah for their candor. The actress who played Peggy slash Mariah in the West End production of Hamilton said... The it's a gift and you should be grateful rhetoric only helps producers mistreat actors, normalize Broadway and the West End being just a job and having complaints and not sacrificing 100% of yourself to do it. Your candor is refreshing at Sporkalob, which is obviously that Hamilton actor tagging Sarah Porkalob in their tweet. So it is about Hamilton, is what I'm I'm hearing here. No! No, it's not about Hamilton. Um, uh, But yes, continuing with the reactions, others were predictably shocked and outraged that Sarah was so candid, including what looks to be none other than one of the directors of 7076, Jeffrey Page. On Jeffrey Page's Facebook page, in what is now a deleted post... There was this. Dear nameless person, I know that you feel good about that thing you said. I didn't feel good about it. I know you feel like now is your time in the sun. You ain't put in the time and you ain't done the work. You are ungrateful and unwise. You claim that you want to dismantle white supremacist ideology. I think that you are the very example of the thing that you claim to be most interested in dismantling. You are fake woke, rotten to the core, and stuck in the matrix. I hope that you get that increased IG following that you so desperately thirst. Bitch, that's stuck in the matrix. Mm-hmm. That's a retro diss. <laughs> that's true. And I do want to clarify that this is a black director. Like, the director of the play is a black artist. I just want to be clear because I imagine if we're mentioning white supremacy, people may be thinking it's a white creative team, and it's actually... More complicated than that it is. You said the post is gone now? Yeah, but some eagle-eyed commentators noticed that before it was deleted, it was edited. At the end of the post, there was originally a postscript. All capitals. S-A-D-H. Well, this is my time to shine. (laughs) (laughs) For the people who don't know what that means, it means suck a dick, ho. Indeed. <laughs> okay, so I'm assuming Sarah has to be responding to some of this. What What has she said? I mean, Sarah's basically tweeting through it. Nice. She created some great memes and broke down that 75% comment. Here's one. For the haters and math nerds, here's a breakdown of what the 75% comment really meant. 75% equals performing in 1776. 10% equals sleeping. 5% equals eating. equals pooping. 5% self-care, a.k.a. not devoting my entire life to being a Broadway star. I'm most impressed with only leaving 5% for pooping. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. That takes up much more than 5% of my life. (laughs) Fair. Sarah also apologized to her castmates in a thread posted on Sunday that included this tweet. To the folks saying that I threw my cast under the bus, while I didn't name any of them explicitly, I see now sharing... BTS, or behind-the-scenes information, implicates them. I try to only speak for myself, but there has been an impact on my cast regardless of my intentions. For that, I am sorry. I appreciate that. I mean, it's not an apology to me, so it really doesn't matter. But I appreciate that apology to her castmates. How is this going to impact her career going forward? Because I can't tell. There's a lot of Yas Queen go off. And there's also a lot of No Queen... (laughs) 
Stop. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, if I'm completely honest, my gut is that if this was like seven, eight years ago, she'd probably be booked by a lot of the people that are like, yeah, 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 like into it. Um, but we're, we really are, uh, you know, in a societal backlash against any kind of forward progress. <laughs> and um, It's true. And I think that, that is unfortunately the trend that we're on. So I think she'll get cheered on by some people online and then we'll quietly probably not get callbacks to things and stuff like that. I mean, people genuinely in power in these industries have a lot of power that they don't have to show <laughs> mm. to be able to exercise it. It is eternally frustrating that we are in a rougher spot, it feels like, than seven, eight years ago in terms of forward progress. Also frustrating that the conclusion to this whole thing is we just have to wait and see. I'm not a patient person. (laughs) (laughs) But I am going to make y'all be patient because it's time for a short break. Uh (laughs) After we get back, we will finally address... The tens of thousands of emails. It wasn't that many, I'm lying. But we did get a lot of emails. <laughs> it was a lot of emails and tweets. <laughs> for an explainer on bucket bunnies and line wives. In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. I have a special announcement for y'all today. For a limited time, you can get six months of Slate Plus for just $29. That is 50% off. As a member, you will get no ads on any of our podcasts, including your favorite one, ICYMI. You'll also get unlimited reading on the Slate site and member-exclusive episodes and segments on shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, and Political Gap Fest. Slate's podcasts cover major news events, from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. Our shows also discuss what makes a song a smash, analyze what's going viral, and decode cultural mysteries. If we become a part of your listening routines, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash ICYMI to access all Slate's content and support our work. Again, that is just $29 for six months through October 28th. So sign up now at slate.com slash ICYMI. And we're back to explain bucket bunnies and line wise. Daisy, are you ready? Because this is a this is a wild one. Bring out my southern accent for this one because it's... it's, it's <laughs> All up in there. (laughs) I am ready. We did get lots of like one line emails about this, which is one of my favorite things. I mean, this is one of those situations where even I was like, "Um, can you please explain? So the TikTok battle and the long line wife bucket bunny war began as all of our stories did today back in September. What also happened in September, which I'm assuming most of y'all know, is 
that Hurricane Ian absolutely wrecked Florida's shit. People were without power. There was standing water, down trees everywhere. People died. It was the worst of times. But luckily, in this story, there are whole industries of people who are qualified to repair the wreckage of storms. People who I can't help but think will be very busy as climate change continues to wreck all of our collective shit. Some of these people are called linemen, not the football player term. And importantly, you do not have to be a man to be a lineman. However, it is a traditionally male industry, though that is changing. But linemen are seasonal electrical line workers, basically the people who come and fix downed power lines so people don't get electrocuted and also can use their fridge. Important things. A much more useful job than mine. (laughs) As you can probably guess by the fact that this is a manual labor heavy seasonal work a lot of linemen are young men and also muscular oh think like sailors or firefighters but like on a electric pole and then play pony by genuine in your head okay So way back in the cursed month of September, someone (laughs) under the handle of at Emily Hossein one posts a video. It's where a lot of our stories start. The on-screen caption of this video reads, everyone praying for Florida, but this is our tender right now. And then there's just a bunch of screenshots of I'm going to say presumably because these men aren't my type, but presumably hot men on Tinder in like emblematic green vest of linemen. That TikTok currently has almost 10 million views. Oh my. And as you can guess by that fact, the comment section is just a treasure trove. (laughs) (laughs) There's the expected BRB, be right back, moving to Florida, candy store. And just a simple, good Lord. I love that one. (laughs) And then there's not me looking for my husband. And y'all pause to make sure your man is safe. The TikTok comment section remains undefeated. Every single time they say what's in my head. And then all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) This is the dramatic part. We are not yet at the dramatic part. I see. Of course. So, line wives who are, as you might guess, wives of line men. Right. Similar to mm-hmm. butter boards. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> they They're are basically butter of boards. Butter. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, the line wives start decrying bucket bunnies, which, according to an interview that our colleague Heather Shadell did with the founder of linewife.com, a bucket bunny is. A woman who seeks out the attention, money, or affection of a lineman for her own personal gain with no regards if they're married or in a committed relationship can also be said to be similar to buckle bunnies, which is what rodeo guys call them, or badge bunnies, or tag chasers. You get the point. Why is there a name for bucket bunnies but not for cheating linemen? Misogyny. (laughs) (laughs) So... Emily Hossein's one video just sparks an all-out war. Line wives start stitching, 
Here's an example of one. Let me explain something to y'all. And I'm pretty sure I can speak for majority of the line wives, line girlfriends, line old ladies, whatever the heck you want to call it. Um, I promise you the men fear the wrath of their old lady a lot more than anything Hurricane Ian is dishing out right now. Some of the line wives are actually somewhat good-humored about it. But once again, his name's Josh. He's 6'1", 6'2", dark hair, brown eyes, um, likes the extra rinse cycle in his laundry. Um, there should be some laundry detergent in his bag when you find him, when he arrives. Some are even giving advice, the most salient of which is wait until the storm checks, which I'm assuming is the check from the work you do during the storm, comes in, take the money and run. And I got to say, we here on ICYMI support taking men's money. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, it's not all fun and games. There's unfortunately, reportedly, because sometimes people just say shit for clout, but I'm going to assume that this is true. At least two women have found out that their partners were cheating on them through Bucket Bunny TikTok. Hey, ladies in the Orlando, Tampa area that just was affected by this hurricane. This is Anthony Brown, not Ty. He is married with two kids. And here's another picture of him. So just so you know, he is married with two kids. At the core, kind of the the fascination around this like influx of, you know, emergency workers essentially coming in mm-hmm. to this area like that that makes sense to me that the same way that like fleet week makes sense to me like mm. you know having grown up in new york i was like look at all these people that just showed up in these incredible uniforms i almost said costumes because oh, i'm picturing gene kelly in my head but like you know what i mean like yes yes like i get why it's interesting but it's always weird it's like okay so the rivalries of but the rivalry is uh mm-hmm. is between the women yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's like maybe y'all should sync up and mm. and fight these men. And to their credit, I will say a lot of the line wives do. They are saying, look through the Bucket Bunnies TikToks and find your man and figure out if he's cheating. And to that I say, girl power. <laughs> <laughs> because apologies to the men who will inevitably take offense to this. And by apologies, I mean, I don't care. But it is a rule universally acknowledged that any profession, anyone, I don't, there's no exceptions, that is primarily male dominated and requires significant time away from home, that they're probably sponsoring the second family economy. Okay? That's just true. It's so true that line wives themselves are basically saying, what did you think you were getting into by marrying a lineman? Because I've been where you girls are as a wife. If you leave that man and you become single, oh, you'll have the self-respect you want. But you'll be crying in a trailer and apartment instead of your half a million dollar house. And the next guys that you date are going to treat you just the same or worse than the man that you married did. And there's even solidarity TikToks from pipeline wives, wives of men who work on oil pipelines. I, can, I, can I tell you my favorite part of this yes, <laughs> story? Yes. Their version of Bucket Bunny is called a Rojo. The more oh. you know. <laughs> oh, I don't love it, but I enjoy it. I don't... <laughs> no, I understand exactly what you mean. I oh don't like God. it, but I like it. <laughs> right, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, oh, like, it just... I want to just, again, acknowledge that I am a queer woman. This is one of those many 
many things that makes queer people go like, are the streets okay? Daisy, you know the answer to that question. The I mean, no. they're not okay. No, we're I, not. <laughs> I will say like this thing about what you're talking about with police even was like one of those things. I grew up again in New York City. I knew this. Like I knew this the same way that I knew that people brought guns into the state by taking buses. Like, I don't remember when I learned it, but it was mm-hmm. a thing I knew to be true of life. My mom even dated a married cop all throughout my high school years. Because New York City police officers do not live in New York City. That's right. So this is ground zero of the Great War. We have the context. We have the requisite misogyny. We have some girl power happening. I mean. But... On TikTok, it's never just ground zero. Right. No, no. We always have to have the secondary layer, which is other people looking at ground zero. It's like Bama Rush talk, where most of the people on Bama Rush talk were not, in fact, in Alabama. Linewife slash Bucket Bunny (laughs) TikTok has become another version of that with everyone, including yours truly, clocking in and offering commentary because TikTok was nothing more than hyper-local southern drama (laughs) (laughs) apparently (laughs) i don't know how i got there but i got to like line men wife tiktok also i have officially reached line wife or line woman whatever you want to call it tiktok where all of these line men's wives are like exposing them and posting their i have been on the bucket bunny line wife line men side of tiktok for like days Raise your hand if you're on Lineman TikTok and you have no idea what that is or what a bucket bunny is, but you cannot stop watching. I mean, honestly, if, you know what I'm realizing as we're talking about this? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is just rubbernecking in a different yes. way. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's the same way that you're like, why am I in all this traffic? And then you get yes. there and it's like a minor, minor car accident on the highway. But like everyone's slowing down to look at it. It's like there's yes. only a handful of these people actually tiktoking about this but like everybody else is like what's that what's going on and Mm now yeah it's trending it's like there's probably more stitches than there are actual tiktoks about the like the core thing to begin with and you are correct (gasps) daisy the funniest thing (laughs) about this entire debacle is that the hashtag bucket bunny only has about 15.4 million views which sounds like a lot but to put that in context butterboard has almost 250 million. Oh my God, it's just butter on a board. It's just butter. <laughs> <laughs> so in the scale of viral TikTok content, this one is actually kind of small. And a lot of the hashtag is people talking about the hashtag, saying things like, I'm online wife, bucket bunny TikTok. Oh my God, I love it. Or here's what's going on online wife, bucket bunny TikTok. And it's like an Ouroboros. Yeah. <laughs> If you will, it's like when you click on a trending hashtag on Twitter and it's just people asking why the hashtag is trending. Like, if (laughs) one of y'all were to ask me why this is viral, which you did, I'd say it's because y'all are all deeply nosy. Yeah. That's the real reason. (laughs) I mean, I am. So are we. Yeah. (laughs) Join us. Next week, we'll be discussing something else that we have no business talking about. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, to never miss me being deeply nosy, all up in somebody's business that's not my own. 
please leave a five-star rating and review an Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. Truly, good reviews do help the show grow so much. So if y'all have time and you like the show, leave a little review on Apple. It'll make me so happy. Thanks. <laughs> you can also follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is where you can DM us your questions. And you can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader and Rachel Hampton. Daisy Rosario, that's me, is our senior supervising producer. And Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online. Or in Florida. We here on ICYMI support taking men's money. <laughs> that is I an mean, official I'm... Slate statement. No, wow. it's not. <laughs> it's really not. It's really not. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets.